All right, guys, welcome to the Apple Store. Yeah. I know you guys have waited long enough. I go by the name of Larry Live, and guys, you're gonna be a part of something really special tonight. I mean, take a look at the screen right behind me, right here, live at Apple, meet the musician, Angels and Airwaves, is that who you wanna see? We're so happy that you guys are with us right now. You already know the album already available for download on iTunes, Love Part Two. On top of that, the critically acclaimed film, you gotta download, download that too. It goes for a special bundle price. But listen guys, enough out of me. I know what you guys are here for. Before we bring the featured artists out, I want you guys to take a look at this exclusive trailer right now for the film, Love. Hey guys, let's all enjoy this right now. Will it contain the colors of our dreams? Or just the darkness of our fears? I mean, even if I wanted to bring you out of orbit, I don't have the people to do it right now. Will it speak of the vast sorrows we found in our short time here? You guys are doing some kind of isolation test or stress experiments, well then you can stop now because because I'm very isolated and very stressed. Or divulge our simple desire to smile. And I'm gonna leave us here for a... What will we do with all this time? How cool. And uh, are you sitting here, Will? I guess so. Hey, you guys, thank you for coming out. This is awesome. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Angels and Airwaves is here. Do you know this? Yeah! All right, gentlemen. Everybody comfortable? Yeah, we're comfortable. This is odd for us because we used to do these types of things in record stores, and now you can do them in Apple stores. It's so cool. It's yeah. very cool, very shiny and nice. And look at all the smiling faces here. I can't really see anybody. It's so bright up here. <laughs> oh, I can. You can see everybody. Oh, absolutely. Right, teeth are gorgeous. Anyway. We're here to talk music, we're here to talk film, we're here to talk art, we're here to talk angels and airwaves. Uh, gentlemen, congratulations, first and Thank foremost. You. Um, the, the film is, uh, as everybody just saw, epic, big, large, huge, not unlike the music of angels and airwaves. 
So I'm going to ask you guys to start, just real quick, let's go back to the inception of the band. Was it ever an idea that it would get here? Well, you know, uh, I, we had the idea to try to get here. I don't know if we, any of us can say definitively that we thought we were going to land here with a movie, because I think even when we got met up with Will, even he, I don't think, knew what he was getting himself into. And uh, I can say that all of us thought, well, we can do this, we can make a movie. But we actually started out, the idea was much smaller than a moving, a, a motion picture. It was more like, let's do some artistic vignettes and, and uh, let's, go, let's embark on like, kind of this band project, but not, not make it this grand thing that we've arrived at here. Okay. Yeah, when I first met with Tom, like, we met for maybe, I don't know, a day or something like that. And he was like, yeah, do you think we can have this done by April? And there was like two months until April. Yeah. So. And here we are like five years later. You guys hear a beeping? Yeah. Uh, so I just took a, an iPad too and slid it in my pocket. I know. I that's, that's cool. <laughs> anyway, um, so the band itself, when, uh, most bands when they walk into a studio to create a record, they'll grab their instruments, they'll jam a little bit, they'll rehearse, they'll work on some stuff, but you guys are angels and airwaves and what goes first? Does the visual, do you guys have a visual and, and put a, a sound to that visual? Kinda, you know, uh, starting on the first record, we, we would start to, we would start to surround our studio, ourselves in our studio with like, these big epic movies and books. We started with Stephen Ambrose, like World War II picture books, famous coffee table books and stuff. Uh, and then we started throwing things like Blade Runner up on the TV. We'd throw like Star Wars up on the TV. We'd throw uh, um, uh, any kind of science fiction film we could find just to have like that kind of epic, vast space thing. And, and then we would start making music and constantly be looking over at the photos and go, does it match those photos, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and we, we were just trying to not do anything but just sit there with a guitar and make up a riff, you know? Because right. that just seemed boring, I guess. So does Angels and Airwaves have a, uh, a, like a spot, like a, like a bat signal? Because you yes. guys are accomplished musicians and filmmakers doing other projects, busy doing other things. But how do you know when it's time? Do you just flash it in Southern California in the night sky? Yes, uh, it's very similar to that, okay. except it's actually, you know, we do have, and, and I was going to make a dumb joke. And actually, that would have been the first dumb joke I've ever made. But we have a... <laughs> We built giant AVA letters. They were in a short film a long time ago, and David just spent the past three weeks uh, redoing them in aluminum. And they literally are as big as this whole room, and, um, and we could put those up on our studio. We talked about putting it up on the roof, and it would have looked like a massive bat signal, kind of, except it's not a light in the sky. We could have put a light on them. Sure. You know, Get a couple light bulbs. Just made me think of the letters. Next question, please. Next question, fair enough. <laughs> the man's always thinking. He's always visualizing. Uh, does it, does it uh, get difficult... Uh, as artists to create, I mean, let's be honest, when you're putting music together, like, no, we shouldn't put the bridge there, we should move the chorus. You guys got that to deal with, but you also have the fact, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think that works visually for us right now, or I was thinking something completely, you guys are all artists, you all have a vision, I mean, how do, how do you guys discuss, is there a round table, tickle fights, what happens? Tickle about Indian leg wrestling? About the score, about the recording? About, about, yeah, about everything, I mean, I mean. Uh, I don't know, I, I suppose the way we've been able to do it for so long with all the ups and downs is that we've all kind of, remain with the same goal and the same uh, aspiration. So in that way, it's not too, f none of us are too far off that s sort of center point. You know, if there's, there's a, always a process, but uh, we always, there's, it's always the, with the same goal in mind. It, and sometimes it's different directions, but it's never too much of a fight, you know, I suppose, as far as if, what you're talking about, as far as bridges and choruses and that stuff is the easier part. The harder part probably was the scoring part, I think, that as far as new for us, yeah. trying to figure out, because you're also working with Will and trying to find that visual uh, match the sonic part with his visual and also what he had in his head and in the way we kind of naturally are have been trained to write conventional songs more so than to trying to find those uh, 
emotional up, upswells and stuff and trying to really paint that picture with the music. Do you guys, now you've had both sides now, is it more nerve-wracking to uh, show your film out for the first time at a film well, festival, an award-winning film? Well, you know, it is an award-winning film. And yeah. What I want... <laughs> Uh, I was nervous as all hell. Like for even for you, I was nervous. Well, this is why I was nervous: is I knew that this this so much of it was will, but I also knew that I was gonna get fucking. I was gonna get the brunt of it personally if it sucked. Like it was gonna be all Tom can't make a movie, you know. But um, but will I think it's time for you to say something? And you guys, Will Eubank is a, is was the 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 kid that we. Today's his birthday, by the way. He's, it's my birthday. <laughs> And this is important, and the reason that's important is because he's 29 today, and we, we met up with him and started this when he was 23. Yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And, uh, and, and uh, we thought that we were going to get a guy that, that, um, that can really, as a cinematographer by trade, that's how you started, we thought that we were going to get a guy that can really make uh, beautiful imagery. And we knew he can do that, but uh, we, we didn't know we can get a guy that can build a space station by hand, build a civil war by hand, uh, write the script, and, uh, and have the endurance to last until now. So you should say hi. There's a lot of people there. Right? No, honestly, getting this uh, job, like I think when we started out, it was probably, like I said, it, it was just sort of, we didn't exactly know, I think, what we were really getting into. But I think that what's so awesome about Angels and Airways is the, other than like just the passion that they have for making these sort of art pieces and things like that is their music is just so thematically driven that it was pretty easy when they came to me and they were like, we want to make a movie, you know? It was just like finding what that movie was going to be about and how we were going to do it with sort of limited resources. But you give it four years and <laughs> you come up with something, so. So what about uh, we throw to a clip? You know, there's sure. the industry term, we're going we're gonna to throw to a clip. Great segue, Will. So uh, let's, uh, can we do Surrender? You guys want to do a quick uh, little yeah, yeah, bite of Surrender? Set it up? This is a cool song. You know, the, the thing about the song Surrender, it started, as, uh, it started as one song that was much faster, kind of more of a punk rock kind of thing. And, and it, then we broke it into two and then eventually three different songs. And that's kind of how the process works with us. We'll keep working on something until we get somewhere that we all feel is good. But the, the cool thing is the sentiment of the song uh, to not give up is, is a major sentiment of the film Love, where a guy is isolated for such a long period of time, and um, he, doesn't, he, he, he thinks about it, but eventually you know, he doesn't give up on himself. But the bridge of this song, the, the, the piece of music that happens right before the last chorus, is directly taken from the film, and a lot of Love Part Two is like that, where words and songs and pieces come directly from the film. And, uh, and it's a part of the film, actually, where he's looking out the window and he's looking at the earth spin. It's just a real sad mov moment. Um, and, uh, and it was actually a washing machine window he was looking at <laughs> that he built. It looks like a real space station window. It was good. But uh, yeah, so this is a song Surrender.
there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Angels and Airwaves surrender uh, here at the iTunes store in Soho, New York City. I need to talk to you guys because we had a quick chance to chat about this earlier. You guys need to know that what you see in front of you, Angels and Airwaves, they're a team, they're a family, but they, they do it start to finish themselves. DIY, if you will. Not just the washing machine for the spaceship, but putting out a record, uh, creating a record, distributing a record, putting out a film, creating a film. Tom, talk about the business of Angels and Airwaves and how great that is. Yeah, you know, uh, when we started this band, um, the record industry was changing a lot. And, and, I, and the ability to... To, uh, I didn't even know at that time if we would have the opportunity to be able to put our music up on iTunes ourselves. And fortunately, now you can even do that. Um, but uh, we knew that we needed to get away from the labels. We knew that we needed to have the opportunity to build our own business. So the whole goal of Angels and Airwaves was to make this thing not when people... We don't want fans or people that are interested to refer to us as a band as much as just a, a collection of artists. And I say sometimes like a production house. Uh, where we're going to do a lot of different things, and none of them are more important than the other, where you do albums and do movies and, and graphic novels, hopefully novels in the future, and just a lot of different stuff that has the same kind of uh, ethos and message that we built this entire thing on. But and to, to do that, I had to... Uh, I, I have a few... A lot of people here might know I own a, a shoe company called Macbeth Footwear, and I have this uh, action sports site for teenagers uh, called loserkids.com. But what I was able to do was learn from those and utilize some of that stuff. And so what we, we built, uh, had a team to kind of tie in some of those elements of distribution and this technology thing that we came up with called Mod Life, and we tie it all together, and we were able to make an independent business, an Angels and Airwaves business, a staff that cares about us, that understands what we're trying to do, that we can rely on every day. And I mean, it, it, I mean, we, my sister Carrie is right over there, and she's uh, running the show. She's actually here too. But people like that, you know, and um, uh, and be, that now we're able to do lots of interesting things where we can put out our music, our movies, or anything we want at any time in any way we want. We can bundle it with cool merchandise. We can set out our sights on doing much more ambitious films. We can we can meet every week like we do in a in a in a little conference room. And go, what can we do to to do more more great things? But even more than that, we show up, in and we have a headquarters where our studio is and the, and the team works and everything and. We hang out there every day, like as buddies. And uh, uh, Dave will have his motorcycles out there. We'll be shooting BB guns. We have a fireman pole, which is like what all guys need to have. It feels awesome. It's there. pretty rad. But um, I've stayed there for a while. He it's actually, awesome. yeah, you have stayed there, and it's scary because apparently people want to break into the studio the night that you stay there. Yeah, you can see all of your guitars like on the wall, like nicely lit. We're working up. on that. Anyway. And have to advertise everything everybody can see. Yeah, but there was a dude with a crowbar. I was calling nine one one. That actually is true. There's been a few like times. There's some other kids you had. Yeah, yeah we've all hey, kind of. You guys don't fucking break into our studio. Apparently, it's, apparently it's haunted too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's not a uh, paranormal experience, by the way. But it's there. a good ghost. It's not like a scary. It's a positive angels and airwaves ghost. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so my point is, is we we have our own business, and we never had that, by the way. On our first album, we went through three presidents on the release of We Don't Need to Whisper. Whisper. When you lose, it's like when you lose the the top dog at a at a record company. That's a really scary thing because they're the ones that set the vision for everything. And. And so we went through three on one record. The second record on I Empire, the week we released that record, they fired 150 people at the label. There's like nobody left. And so nobody cared about our, our band at the, that week or the, for the weeks following after. They cared about their jobs, you know? Um, so finally we said, shit, let's just put it out for free. And that's what we did with Love Part One. And during that time is when we started assembling, we're gonna do this ourselves. 
And, uh, and now the reason why we're sitting here and the reason why you see the movie up on Apple and the reason why we have really cool packages and, and bundles and all this different stuff happening is, is not just because of us, it's because of the people that believe in us that, we, that we've worked so hard to achieve this year. Cool. And you, you told me a story the other day. Uh, David, you actually were making guitars uh, w- by your hands, whittling wood and such. Is this and true? Feet. No, not necessarily. Well, Matt and I actually were. No, we okay. just, we've kind of gotten into this whole crafts, kind of arts and crafts, everything. Like, we make our jackets. And we're trying to be like we've Will. Kinda, we've kind of done our, uh, you know, and a lot of our guitars and the look on our stage has kind of got uh, a very similar sort of post-apocalyptic kind of vibe. And uh, so, yeah, we... I don't really know why we're talking about this, but yeah, we. Uh, because, but no, 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 it's no it's just We're all very, we're all very, we're all very involved, I guess, constantly. Whether it's actually doing that, because we want to do, we're trying to figure out. Not that we're trying to create like all these different products, but we're trying to create things that people might actually want, things that people might actually value, as opposed to just depending on selling records. Because obviously, selling records is a very difficult thing if uh, if it's something that people have such access to it in other ways. So. To do that, we kind of like try to create this environment for a few people that may still want to be involved in more ways. So we created these packages that Tom were talking about, and part of those packages we actually sold uh, guitars, but uh, sort of um, enhanced by our hands, I suppose. So by d- by your strong, amazing hands. Uh, wow. Yeah, I'm a, I'm that's a, tender. Hey, do you want to? Do you want you guys? Do you guys want to hear Alon say hi? He's our new drummer. Alon. You want to say hi? You just had to put me on the spot. I just wanted you to say Hello. hi to everybody. I just noticed when I was listening, watching David, you haven't really said anything yet. Well, so. I'm, I'm paying attention. Well, yeah. I'm doing what these people are doing, except I'm up here. <laughs> okay, put it down. Elon, <laughs> you nailed it, by the way. Gold. You, well, about that, you. Yep. that like DIY, uh, D, wait, do it yourself, DIY <laughs> attitude. Um, I think it's just like it's a theme that resonates in everything. It was funny because while I was working on this movie, there was a lot of times where I was sort of just like frustrated because it's very small, very indie, we had limited resources. But the irony is later, it's like, as a filmmaker or a band, it's like, when do you get the opportunity to make a, a full length indie film where you get to do whatever you want without, you know, studios coming in and saying this or distributors coming in and saying this. And that's kind of what's exciting about being here at Apple too, is it's like, you know, we found a way to make our film and without getting a distribution company or anything like that, we were able to, you guys made it available through. Yeah. Um, we did an exclusive with iTunes. They yeah. were so awesome and so helpful. But I mean, to add to what you're saying though, like I've always like one of the things I've kind of prided myself on and, and what we have in Angels and Airways is we've been so keen on finding other people to join our team. We, Angels and Airways is much bigger than the four of us and Will in many ways is like that fifth band member. And so is uh, and Critter, our engineer, and other people around us. But uh, with Will, the way it worked is, remember how many times we would be on the phone at like one or two in the morning and my family's asleep and he's out either in the, de- the desert or like in some office in LA. But we would just have these incredible aspirational, converse- philosophical conversations. And, um, and after a while, you're kind of going, well, dude, this is getting awkward. It's just two men on the phone, like late at night together, you know. <laughs> but but that that's how that it, it was. It, I, you don't need micromanaging. This guy is an incredible artist, and he thinks as big as we do and as I do. And and um, it's so that it, it, you're never worried about what he was gonna come up with. I just wanted to enjoy those conversations with him before he went out and did it. And so that's kind of what we would do. We would talk about 
um, a lot of influences. We would talk about the meaning of life, and we would talk about these, you know, uh, spirituality, and and uh, and there's a lot of that in angels and airways. You know, we're we we love metaphysics, you know, and and it shows itself. You know. Wow! Did you just say love? I did say the word love. I think we should kick it to another clip, Very and I'm thinking Saturday love. Saturday love. Let's do it, angels. Thank you. Saturday Love, Love Part 2, Angels and Airwaves here at the iTunes Store, Soho, New York City. Thank you very much for being here. Give yourselves a round of applause. Now, uh, I think we're going to uh, kick it to the crowd. Oh, yeah. Are we going to do this? Let's do a little, little Are you guys cool with asking Angels and Airwaves a question or two? Or please do, saying, please do. Mind. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, let's, let's just get to it. All right, so who's got a question? This guy right back here. Uh, thanks. I think I'm by far the oldest person here. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of three things. One, Angels and Airwaves for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Two, uh, Stanley Kubrick and 2001 Space Odyssey. Thank you very much, yes. And love in general. But I, I, my question is, uh, how much were you influenced by Stanley Kubrick in this film? Because I, 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 I have seen it, and uh, I can't help but notice the, uh, the similarities. And you know, I think it's fantastic. Uh, see the influence, not saying it's a copy, but it's a, it's a great film and love the cinematography. So just curious about yeah, that. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll let Will jump in and just so you know, you're uh, our fan base, maybe here tonight, but our fan base, what's so cool about Angels and Airwaves has spanned up to four generations I've seen. And, and, and I, we work so hard to, to have people of all ages and all different types of ethnicities be into this band. And I, and, and, uh, and I love that you pointed out the Kubrick reference, because that's like the ultimate, that's like the sci-fi master. And for a lot of people, I don't know if you guys have all seen 2001 or 2000. He didn't do 2010, though. I just, no, he no, it's 2001. But, um, but no, Kubrick, huge. Did eyes wide shut. Sort of. Pervert. Yeah. He's a pervert. But he did do that movie. He died while they were making or, it, He did. Anyway, uh, no, Kubrick is a huge influence. I, uh, honestly, Kubrick uh, was the master of, of taking emotions and things like that and applying them almost like poetry and then using that to sort of create a resonating theme. And so it's like, 
I just feel like he was able to sort of take intangible things and then produce them within a movie. So he and Malick and, and um, movies like Solaris, all those things, you know, that we love as, as sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, smart sci-fi or, uh, yeah. you know, whatever you would call it, just huge influences for us because they explore these sort of big ideas, but using themes that I think that, uh, you know, everyone has in their lives, whether or not, you know, you're on a trip to Jupiter to discover something, you know, they're dealing with, like, things that just any human being could deal with, you know. And what's interesting about Kubrick, too, and I don't know how many people have know, because I mean, the younger audience here, I, um, no, 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 I'm, you and I are probably the same age, you know, and, and I, and I'm, when I grew up, the first time I was, I watched 2001, and, and what you guys need to know about Kubrick also is, the reason our film is meditatively paced and, and it's kind of got that slow, eerie nature to it because a lot of, of the great sci-fi films did that, that really drew you into these moments and really let... The one thing that I always liked that Kubrick did, it seemed like he would hold on somebody for a while, longer than you usually normally would, which shows kind of some of those awkward kind of moments and, and those bits of emotion uh, that you don't see in like an action film where they're kind of cutting back and forth, you know? And, and that, that we, I, I always say it's meditatively paced because you kind of get in the zone when you're watching it and, and it's just this, it's like slow and eerie and can be creepy at times because space is so, you can't define it. You know, no one knows what's really out there and that's why you guys probably know I'm obsessed with it because if it's, if it's really infinite, then there's infinite possibility of what's going out there going on out there, and Kubrick was the first person to show that life out there could be like an object. It could be something completely different than you ever expected, you know, and, uh, and I think as filmmakers and as artists, he was someone that you always massively looked up to. Yeah, it's, it's like a love letter in a lot of ways to some of those guys. Like the opening of the film is kind of like a love letter to Malick and... You know, some of the stuff towards the end is more based towards Kubrick, but... And you know what, the, the video, for, we have a song called The Adventure, and if you look at the video on The Adventure, that, thanks, you guys. Yeah. If you look at the video on The Adventure, the music video, we built a space set, that is directly from 2001 Space Odyssey, where we literally had Stanley Kubrick's uh, a picture book, and we just go, we want to make a space set that, space, space set that pulls... Uh, from the 70s kind of science fiction era, and he had the best set design ever. Like, I, he just, just, everything was beautiful. Excellent question. Uh, I have a question regarding Adam's departure and Noan's joining in the band. Uh, how, what were the terms you left with Adam, and um, how, and Noan, how do you um, kind of fill in his shoes? Yeah, I think, well, with Adam, I think what happened was, the best way to describe it is that he and us, when we were, when I was going out with Blink and we we're doing all these other things with the band, I think he would, he started playing with other bands as well. We've always all had different projects go on. And um, I think at this point in time, when we, when I came back, he, he had other things he had to do uh, and other things that he wanted to do. And it was totally amicable. There's like, there's no bad blood. Or I think a lot of fans think that something happened that was like drastic. It was, the, it was no more than the fact that he wanted to keep touring with a bunch of other things that he was doing. And we needed to start coming on the road and doing press for all this stuff. And I think the schedules were conflicting. And, um, uh, and I talked to Adam once or twice a week still. still able to socially talk to him yeah, about, you know, about, I mean, we were all, I mean, Adam and I were, and all of us we truly are friends, like, and, and it's the first time I've been a part of a group or a, 
you know, a collection of people that I actually really value. So, I mean, the only bad part about that is the fact that I'm just not going to get to work as close with Adam anymore. But it's not going to change the fact that, Adam, when I have a problem and my motorcycle breaks down and I need help, somebody to help me with that, then I'm not, Adam's still the first person I'm going to call. You know, none of that stuff changes. I mean, so it's like Tom said, I mean, it's, I can't, I don't know if I can say amicable on the mic. But I wasn't I have quite as much sure with exactly how you words. spell that word either. But anyway, uh, it is, you know, I mean, that's, that the only thing that's bad about it is that we just won't get to work as close with Adam anymore, but it doesn't change our actual friendship with Adam. Yeah. Right, and, uh, and as far as Alon coming in, we'll uh, Alon. I'll take it from here. Okay, go for it. <laughs> Good man. Nice. Nice. Well, as far as filling shoes is concerned, I think it's been a very smooth process. I've been a part of this for about a month now, and I'm very used to being the guy in a situation who comes into a band and has to learn quite a few songs and adapt. So I, I am very much used to that, but as far as getting along with everybody, it's been going super well. Had a lot of fun at uh, rehearsal so far and obviously doing all this stuff for them. Unfortunately, I can't help David out with motorcycles because I'm not manly enough to ride one. I'm not even allowed to ride one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't trust myself. But it's been going very well so far and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the touring aspect because, I mean, everybody in a band loves to play live, so I hope that happens sooner than later. Thank you. All right, we've Thanks. got time for uh, two more questions. Two more. Hi. Um, after filming for so long, um, what would you say was the most difficult task of filming? Uh, you, that's actually, that's a really good question that what, I think... What was the most difficult one? Well, just after filming for so long, what, what, out of all those years that you were filming the movie, what, were, like, what was one of the more difficult things that, that you had to do? Um, I mean, the, the hardest part was obviously building that space station. That was not easy. <laughs> but uh, but as, I, as I've said, and I'll say it again, it's like, even though, you know, there was a point, I, I used 19 boxes of furniture staples on that thing, and each box contained 1,000 staples. So that's 19,000 staples over you know, a year and a half, that's a lot, you know. The hardest part is like conceiving stuff and then actually sitting down and going, how do I actually build that? But the thing is, it's like once you go through that process, you sort of are attached to what you're doing and it just congeals and it's like all of a sudden like, you know, in a weird way, you're sort of a part of what you're building and it makes it a lot easier to shoot it later and a lot easier to explore the themes and the things you were hoping to do as opposed to, um, just sort of arriving and being like, oh, great, this is a set. You know, it was like a part of my life for a year and a half. So uh, the freedom that these guys gave me to, to, to go do whatever I want like that is uh, something I'll probably never get again. So. But, you know, and he's not even talking. Okay, I'm going to help him out here for a second. So you start, you go to Home Depot, you, you bring back a few pieces of wood, you start with like, like a window or a wall, and you stare at it for a bit and go, hold on, and go back to Home Depot, and he come back and add to it, and next thing you know, he's planning out how to build this thing in modular sections so you can turn it around and shoot different angles to make it look bigger than it really is, and then he builds like little lights, and you're like, okay, we need those to blink, so he puts Christmas lights behind those things. We need bags, so he gets pizza bags or toolbox. It's like insane, but at, when you look, some of those shots where you're pushing in through uh, the spaceship and you see tiles and carpets and wood and like every one of those pieces of tile he had a cut. It's like, it's, it's when he's, I mean, that's so gnarly, you guys. It's so crazy. I've only built a space station twice and I can tell you <laughs> that, and, I'll, and check this out. 
we all laugh because it's like his dad is probably walking out going, what the fuck is my son doing? He's building a spaceship in the driveway. It was. It was that was one of the harder things for me, I would say, is having to be around his dad because I just felt like he was judging us so much for <laughs> yeah. making his son go through this or like, yeah, I don't know, you just tell like that dad, like, I don't know, it felt like if you go meet a girl's dad or something. Oh, I had dropped out of UCLA, that, so that didn't yeah, really yeah, help. Like you know what I mean? So he so thought that, uh, and he's, dude, my dad's awesome, but it, you know, he's just a successful dude, and, and, and so. And a smart dude. It's difficult, like, you know, but, yeah. but my mom, like, during that time, because I was living at home, I would, like, you know, work, and then I would go do the dishes and stuff, and that was, like, my deal, you know, like. Do the dishes. Okay, who, and by the way, have you guys, who's seen the film? Okay, cool. So you know when those pictures in the space station are coming to life, your mom drew a lot of that, right? Yeah. So his mom's a children's book author, and she's a, an incredible illustrator. And, um, and it's, it was like a family affair. Like, she was helping you build cannons. All the cannons and mortars and stuff. His mom, like, out there, like, making cookies, building cannons, you know? I remember the first time we looked through the camera, and it was the first time we'd really, we were day one of production, and because the camera adds that, that fourth wall, you know, it just it really makes it come to life. And I remember it was all lit up and we were under the tarp and everything and it, we were making it dark and I see the image and I remember I just started swearing. I was like, holy, you know, you know, I was saying all these crazy words because it looks so real. It like looks so, it, yeah. we did it, you know, and I'm swearing my head off and my mom is like, William, what's wrong? She's like right outside. <laughs> she had brought cookies down for us to eat. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, nothing. It looks good. Yeah, you, I kind of want to, you know, the funny, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it. There's like one of the funniest stories. Remember when Gunnar was on the phone? <laughs> and your mom, we shouldn't say that story. There's like the most badass story. I can't say it in front of you guys. Never mind. Next question. I know, I know. It's so good. Hey. So good. All right, we're going to go to our final question from way, way, way in the back. Katie. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, I just want to ask you, I noticed a lot in Love Part 2 that a lot of like the lyrics had to do with hard times and rough times. The does economy. that, yeah, the economy and all is, does that have to do with um, what's going on like in our world today? Is that what influenced you? That's a great question. And I'm, I'm super, I'm super influenced by the world around me. I think an artist's job uh, in any category of art is to di digest the world and communicate that back. And, um, and for whatever reason, uh, with Angels and Airwaves, I kind of lyrically, I approach it a few different ways. But, but on this record, you know, as, as I remember writing the words specifically, it's like we're invading, you know, Libya to some degree or something, you know. And then uh, you keep hearing Israel might bomb Iran and then Iraq, something goes bad and then the economy's dropping. And um, one thing that I learned that works really well with this band and, and, and the, is... is I do music with this band specifically to get a feeling for myself. I can't guess what other people are going to get, but I learned that if we take, you know, a sad sounding chord progression or song and say something positive over it, or vice versa, where you have something um, kind of happy underneath and say uh, something sadder, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it tends to kind of confuse you as a listener and you're not quite sure how you feel. And so on this, on Love Part 2, so much was inspired, obviously, of current events, but a lot of it was inspired by the film. And as I was saying before, we used to surround ourselves with all these movies and books and pictures of other, other great pieces of art on the first two records. On Love, we found ourselves with such, uh, such a rich Angels and Airwaves world that we didn't need anything else to, to, to grab influence from. We were so deep within the film and the hundreds of 
you know, 100 hours of incredible cinematography and the deep story that, that Will was bringing to the table, we were really able to draw from that. And a lot of that is isolation. And a lot of that is, is um, being confused as to why this, this character, this astronaut, is stuck on the space station. But then at the end of the day, he, he realizes how important every single connection you have with anybody. You know, I was telling somebody on the, the um, interviews over the past couple of days, because that's what we're here for, is they, they say a lot of people have had near-death experiences have come back and said that when you go through this tunnel, you, you not only get like this kind of life review of everything that you've done in your life, but you experience everything that you've done to everybody else through their eyes and through what they felt. And that's a wake-up call, you know, and so much of this movie, to me, is, like the, is, is almost like a, um, uh, a way of telling that story where this guy has to go through so long and have no connection whatsoever to the very end of the film where he feels everything at once. And I, and I think that uh, that's something that our band, that's, that's, that's something that an element that our band likes to, likes to be about. Can I add something to that real quick? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> a lot of like, I'm just a huge Carl Sagan fan. And in The Pale Blue Dot, he talks so much about like how much potential we have as human beings. And, uh, you know, we have all this potential to do amazing things. We can put a man on the moon, you know? And it's like, we're, we're nomadic and we're, we have all these great things that we can do. And yet we sort of tend to keep our, our heads down and our perspective short on things like, you know, last year I think we spent 20 billion on air conditioning troops, you know, abroad and 19 billion on NASA, you know? So it's like, we have so much potential as, as human beings and yet we sort of don't really look to the stars. And I think what's cool about Angels and Airways music and the themes that they jump into are just these really big things that try to broaden your perspective and make you think about bigger ideas and bigger concepts, you know? Like what if we all did just go away before we even had a chance to see what else was out there? It'd be a bummer. Bummer indeed. Uh, give yourselves a round of applause for those awesome questions. Tom, you were talking about emotions and feelings and loneliness and isolation. Anxiety is a feeling, yeah. is it not? Um, and as we prepare for another clip, can you set up anxiety? Well, uh, you know, uh, we, we're writing anxiety, and, and uh, the lyrics was, it just said, came out. It just said, I don't remember, you know, when I write lyrics sometimes, you know, I listen, I'll sit there in front of the computer with the big speakers, and I'll, and I'll sometimes mumble a made-up language. It's odd. I know it's odd, but I kind of try and see what words fall into place, and I'm trying to feel something, you know, get inspired. I'll start with one word, and I say, that's how it, and I remember coming up with don't pressure us. And I, I don't know why, maybe, I think pro probably because I was so stressed because I had the Blink record going, the Love record coming, and then scoring the film, and, and we created this Angels and Airways kind of company, and, and I remember feeling anxiety for this whole thing because I care about it so much, more than you guys will ever know, that I really, really want this to have a shot, you know? Um, and then I was thinking about, I was just like, I'm just a passenger. We're all just passengers on this little, this little blue spaceship called Earth. And then you're looking at the movie right behind me on the screen. It, I mean, that's exactly what's going on with Gunner uh, as, as the astronaut. And, um, and uh, I don't know. That's where it came from. So here's the song, Anxiety. And, um, and I, think it's, I think it's a really great song. I'm really happy about it. All right.
All right, guys, again, we want to thank you for joining us right here at the Apple Store for this edition of Meet the Musician. Definitely download the new album, Love Part 2, and while you're there, get the movie as well. Thank you, guys, and everybody, let's have you leave in a very orderly fashion down the grand glass staircase. Um, hey, thanks. <laughs>